Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to this broadcast from First Baptist Church in Rock Hill. Pastor Steve Hogg here with you. Thank you for joining us. I hope you had a great day yesterday, January 1, watching football, hanging out with friends and family, and today you are ready to hear a word from the Lord. I've been preaching a series of messages titled God's Kingdom and Our Place in It. I'll resume that next Sunday. But today, Brother Chris Howe, who is our pastor to college and high school students, is going to be preaching, helping you kick off the new year. So get your copy of God's Word and be ready to hear a message from His Word. And uh, as soon as I finish praying, you're going to hear Chris preach the Scripture. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to worship. Thank you for every blessing last year and every opportunity that will come our way in 2022. Help us as your disciples, as your followers, to seize each opportunity. Give us the boldness, Father, the courage and the faith to be a witness, to speak up for Jesus. And I pray even now as Chris preaches and those who are watching and listening, hear your word. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, speak to their hearts and do wonderful things in each person's life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, what's great to be back with you. Here we sit two days into 2022. Man, who would ever thought 2022? I can remember graduating high school in 1989. And of course, the next year was 1990. Uh, That's when I signed up to go in the Marine Corps. And I thought, man, 1990, that seems so far from 1971 when I was born. I can remember in the year 2000, right before we made the change to the millennium, I was in Paris, France, and uh, right on the Eiffel Tower, they had the countdown clock to the millennium. Uh, If you remember like I do, all the computers were supposed to crash, uh, planes were supposed to fall out of the air, uh, anything that has a a time stamp to it or a date to it, uh, because they didn't think the clocks would know how to roll over to the year 2000. Uh, was supposed to come to an abrupt end, but we made it through that time period. Uh, I don't know how we did it. Uh, Maybe it was luck. Maybe it was uh, the millennials that helped us get us through it. And then here we are now, 2022. Uh, I'm thinking to my calendar that we do here in student ministry and and planning 2022, 2023, um, thinking that we're not that far from 2025. Uh, we've seen a lot of movies where they talk about the things that were already supposed to happen. The apocalypse uh, was supposed to occur by now. Uh, we're watching movies where they say in 20, 2033, uh, the world's going to end. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we're not that far away. Uh, but I'm glad you're here today. I, I'm glad that you decided to join us here on New Year's Eve Sunday, if you would, with New Year's being yesterday. It, over the last couple of weeks, Pastor Steve's been preaching about uh, that Jesus came and he did. He came as a baby, uh, and he was born as a baby, but his only purpose was this, was to die. I mean, let that sink in for just a minute. Jesus came as a baby, yet his only purpose was to die. I, I don't know of one person in this world that intentionally has the baby that their plan is not to see their child outlive them, for their child to become prosperous and, and, and live to be 80, 90, 100 years old with the hope of that. I know that's what it was with my kids. That's what it is with my, my grandson now uh, being born. I, I hope he lives to be uh, 50 years older than whatever I make it to and that it's prosperous. But with Jesus, he came as a baby, yet his only mission 
was to die. We've looked at the Christmas story, and there's something very noticeable about it uh, And in the statement that also just made, is if Jesus' only purpose was to come to be born to die, then why did it take another 33 and a half years, uh, so to speak, for that to become to fruition for why did it take another 33 and a half years for Jesus to die? And, and, and there's a simple answer to that. Uh, if his only job was to be ransom for mankind, uh, to be the, um, uh, the answer for our sins that separated us from God, um, surely God could have done that a little quicker. I mean, King Herod plotted to kill him, uh, just when he was two years old and yet God kept him out of the reach uh, of the King's hands. So why 33 and a half years? I mean, I'm one of those guys. I'm, I'm going to let you into my, my psychology a little bit uh, just because it's New Year's weekend. And uh, I got a little bit of freedom here this morning to do this. Uh, I always ask more, qu- more questions than I seem to find answers. So if the only purpose of Jesus coming was to die, um, why 33 and a half years? I mean, wh- why not come, live a couple years? Uh, he was the king. And then die as the uh, as the ransom for mine and your sins. Uh, so let's let's see if we can answer that question a little bit this morning. See, Jesus not only had a purpose, but he had a mission. So if we're going to experience a new year and a new me as we think about the things that we're doing, then we need to know our purpose and we need to seek to fulfill our mission. Uh, We find ourselves having a mission, don't we? I mean, for some of us, that mission is a lifelong mission. For some of us, that mission just seems to be for a season, and then that changes a little bit, or our our circumstances changes a little bit, or God intervenes and says, hey, let's go this direction for a little bit. Uh, For some of us, it may be uh, a year, a couple days, whatever the case might be. But here's the truth. Over the last two days, you and I have gotten to know pretty much what everybody's mission is, whether it's lifelong or short term. And it's it's happened through this platform called social media because people love to post about what their mission is for the next day, the next week, the next year, whatever that's going to be. And they they like to call it a resolution, a New Year's resolution. I I don't understand resolutions. I don't make them. And here's the reason why. So so if you're going, Chris, why don't you make resolutions? It's because I'm too ADD to keep up with what it was. Uh, but we see people posting about it on social media. And here's the problem is I don't know why they do it. Because if it's for an accountability purpose, whenever you or I come back to that person and say, hey, you know, on January the 1st, January 2nd, January 3rd, when you posted about this and this was going to be your, your mission, your resolution. And, and I've noticed you haven't been keeping that. Uh, all of a sudden we become judgmental. Or we become insensitive. Uh, I don't understand why that is when they put it out there on social media. Uh, sometimes if we go and, and we challenge them on the resolution or whatever it is, uh, they're like, well, well that, that's changed. It's not really what I meant to put, and I didn't word it the right way. So these resolutions, they just become chatter on a social media platform that really is kind of useless anyways. So let me help us out. If you have an urge to post stuff in the near future, Maybe you didn't post it on the first and today's the second. You haven't posted it yet. Uh, Maybe you're thinking about doing it later today or I'm bringing this topic up. You're thinking, I need to post my New Year's resolution. Uh, Let me help you out a little bit. Don't do it. (laughs) Just don't do it. Uh, If you're like me, um, a couple of hours are going to pass and all of a sudden something's going to change. So just don't do it. When I served in the Marine Corps, uh, I had the opportunity to travel kind of all over the the U.S., uh, all over parts outside of the U.S., but we had a guy in our squadron that was just super strong. I, I mean, I like to think of myself as being a, a pretty strong guy, at least I was back in the day, 
but I was nothing compared to this guy. This guy would walk around the squadron or walk around the hangar or be on the aircraft, and he would eat black beans straight out of the can. He would eat tuna straight out of the can. And if that's what it took to be strong, that's exactly why I'm not, because I don't eat raw tuna. But this guy would eat it because he was just super strong. Everywhere we would go, whether we went to Quantico or whether we'd go to um, Atlanta or whether we'd go to Florida or go outside of the country, he always claimed to be the strongest person that he knew. And he would bet people, and he'd say, I bet you that I'm stronger than you. And the bet would be anywhere from a dollar to, I've seen him bet one time, $1,000. And this is how he would prove that he was the strongest person around, is he would challenge these guys, whether they were uh, other sailors on a naval base or whether they were airmen because we stopped in at an Air Force base or whether they were uh, Army guys because we were near an Army depot. But he would challenge them. He would take an orange and he would squeeze it. And he would say, I'm going to squeeze every bit of juice out of this orange, and then I will give it to you. And if you can get another drop out, you win. Everywhere we went, he would squeeze that orange, all the juice out of it, and it would actually go into a cup, and he would hand the orange over, and nobody could squeeze out any more juice than that. We had guys that were special ops. We had guys that uh, at Fort Bragg that were Delta Force. We had guys that were Force Recon in the Marine Corps who always thought they were a lot better than the people who were in the air wing, if you will. They would come up and they would challenge him. They, they would bet whatever the wager is they want to do, and he would squeeze the orange, and they couldn't get another drop out. We went to Yuma, Arizona one time, and we were in Yuma, and we were doing some weapons training. And we were out in town. As we were out in town, we had been there a couple of weeks, and they were hearing about this guy and the wagers that would make. And so as we were at a particular restaurant, a guy come up to uh, the friend of ours that was in the Marine Corps, and he said, hey, I heard that you bet people that you're stronger than them. This guy was every bit of five foot tall, 115 pounds. And so the friend of ours in the Marine Corps, he's like, yeah, I do. I bet people all the time. You want to take the bet? And the guy's like, yeah, I'll take your bet. So we go and grab a, an orange from the from the, the staff there, and they, he goes to squeeze it, and he gets all the juice out of it, fills a cup up, and he hands the orange to this 115-pound, five-foot guy. That guy takes that orange. He looks at it, and he said, you got all the juice out? And the Marine said, yeah, I got all the juice out. He starts squeezing the orange, and about six drops of juice fall out of it. Man, the, the, the crowd was amazed. I was, I was about to fall on the floor. Like, this guy had never had one person squeeze a drop out, and here they are squeezing out six drops. When he got through, the, the friend of ours that was a Marine looked at the guy, and he said, man, what, what do you do? Are you a martial arts expert? He said, are you a, a power lifter, and, and you lift 100 times your body weight? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you got a bionic hand? I mean, he, he, he had all the questions. I want to know what this guy did. The guy very quietly just looked him in his eyes, and he said, no, I, I'm none of that. He said, I work for the IRS. <laughs> so what does that have to do with our story? Well, it's got a little bit to do with it, but man, isn't that the truth? The IRS will squeeze it all out of you. So here we, we, we look, and this morning I want to talk to you from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And we're talking about a new year and a new me, and, and, and here's what it writes in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. It said, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with the man who is a sinner. 
Then Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Pray with me today. Father God, we love you and thank you for the day. And God, we thank you for your word. And God, we thank you for how timely it is. And so God, today I pray that as we talk about a new year and a new me, God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Show us what that could look like in the year 2022. And God, may not only show us, but may we be quick to act upon it. And God, in that, we'll be quick to give you all the honor and all the praise and all the glory because you and you alone truly are an awesome God. We love you and say these things in the precious name of Christ. Amen. So here we see Luke, who is a physician. And if you know anything about Luke and, and before he was an, a writer, an apostle, uh, being a doctor, he recorded things to great detail. And here he says that there was a guy that was a tax collector that was rich, but also a sinner. Luke is very quick because he's very detailed to point out that this guy was short in stature. I mean, he could have said anything else. He could have said he had brown hair. He could have said he had uh, dark hazel eyes. He could have said that uh, he was a very funny guy. He could have said, he, but he says, no, he's short in stature. And that's a little offensive to me in this council culture that we live in. And that's because I'm only five, six. There are a lot of times when I can't see over the crowd on a Sunday morning sitting in the worship until we sit down. So I'm good with sitting. I can remember we went to Albania uh, about nine or ten years ago. And in the orphanage where we were at there in the capital of Tirana, we were going to do a, a Bible study, kind of a, a week-long, maybe like a VBS, if you would, with the, with the kids in the orphanage. And so it centered around this whole story of Zacchaeus and, and how Jesus came in and redeemed his life. And I can remember as we were preparing to go, and I was the team leader, I can remember the team coming to me and saying, hey, Chris, we, we've been thinking about this story with Zacchaeus, and man, we, we want to bring this to life in front of these kids. We want them to know that Scripture can come alive. And, and so we're going to take some our outfits from Easter, and we're going to wear those over there. So do you mind taking yours? I, I had one. It's just a traditional-looking Hebrew outfit from maybe what would have been back in the day, as close as I could tell. And I said, sure, I, I can do that. I mean, I didn't know this part of the plan, but I can do it. So let me in on the plan. What's the plan? They're like, well, we're going to teach. We just want you to be Zacchaeus because you're a wee little man. Uh, my, my, my feelings were hurt. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I was not very biblical at the moment, uh, and I almost refused to do it, but instead I did. Luke is quick to tell us this man is short in stature, but we also see that this man is considered to be a sinner. He's not considered to be a sinner because he collects taxes. So if you're watching this and, and you work for the State Department, you work for the, the IRS, you work for um, York County tax collectors or whatever it might be, um, you being a tax collector does not make you a sinner. What made Zacchaeus a sinner was that not only did he collect taxes for the government, but he would collect more than he was supposed to. So basically he was stealing from his own people. He would go in if the tax on them was 10%. He might collect 20 or 25 percent and pocket the rest for himself. And and so we, here we see where they said, man, how is this guy, Jesus, going and having a meal, going to the home of this sinner? Here's what you need to know about. We talked about the mission of Jesus and, and the purpose, his purpose. He came to, to die for you and I. But but there was also a, a mission and it was around the sinner. His mission was around me, it was around you, it was around the rest of the people in this world that have been born and passed on and that would be born long after you and I leave this world. He, his mission revolved around the center. 
Story after story, the New Testament is filled with Jesus seeking out those who were lost. We see it in the story uh, of like the rich young ruler. Jesus, in talking to this young man, he says, he says, Rabbi, what must I do to be saved? And he said, well, take everything that you got and go sell it. We know this guy was not willing to do that from what scripture records, but he was he was hanging around. He was seeking out these people that were sinners. We, we know in the story of the bleeding woman, although he didn't intentionally seek her out, he was pressed in among the people that would have been lost. And this young lady reaches out, having been afflicted with a, a condition, and we know that Jesus intervenes in her life. We see it in the woman at the well. Uh, man, if you want to look at a, a person in Scripture that probably uh, reflects culture today, the woman at the well would have been that. As Jesus is sitting in this area in this noon of the day, the heat of the day, and this woman comes to him, and she is getting water. He asks her for water, knowing that a Jew would never ask a Samaritan and vice versa to do anything like that. But she had a condition. She was a sinner. She was lost. And yet Jesus here is at the well hanging out. We see it with Nicodemus in the middle of the night, somebody who was a church leader that as well was lost. And we see it in John chapter 3 as he comes and asks what he might do. And, and Jesus gives that response in John 3:16 that we all know so well. And then we see it in the story of the adulterous woman who is caught in the act and then is brought out into the street in front of everybody. And Jesus is standing there and he walks over beside her and he begins to say, whichever you have not sinned, cast the first stone. And then he bends down and writes something. We, we don't know what that is in the, in the sand, perhaps. And then everybody kind of dissipates. So Jesus had this life of 33 and a half years of hanging out with people that didn't look like maybe what we see in our church today or what we would find in our pulpits, that, that, that he was hanging out with these sinners. That was the majority of who it was. It wasn't the majority of the people in the synagogues. Let me ask you this. Have you ever lost something? I, I, I mean, think about it. I, there's, the older I get, the more I lose stuff, and I don't think it's because I lose it. I just think I, I forget where I put it. And so as I lose stuff, I, I try to think back, okay, Chris, where's the last place you had that? We, I, I go back and I start looking. Okay, I was here a minute ago. Um, I, I had a back to a piece of a, a, a TENS unit, a, um, uh, the stimulator, the electrical stimulator for my neck. And the back of it fell off, and I was trying to find it. And I was like, man, wh where in the world? And so I, I'm looking where I'm at. It's nowhere around there. And then I thought, you know what? Let's go back to where I started, where I first had it. And sure enough, there it was up underneath the chair that I was sitting in. But as we start looking for these things, we, we go back and we look for them and, and, and we start remembering where we had it and we, we possibly go seek it out. And that's exactly what Jesus did as he was coming into this creation, as he was born into baby here, he was thinking about the lost. And so he was going to seek out in places where he might find lost people. So Luke 19 says he came to seek, to look for, to search out you and I, the sinner. Jesus was just as the Casting Crown song says, a friend of sinners. However, this is not a blank check for us to act or congregate however we want. Over the years, people have taken this uh, thought in Scripture and distorted the facts to fit their narrative, giving credence to the doctrinal truth, not giving credence to the doctrinal truth surrounding it. They thought, well, Jesus was a friend of sinners, so... Maybe in today's time, Jesus would have been at the bar hanging out with people at the bar. Or maybe Jesus would have been at this club hanging out with people at the club. Or maybe Jesus would have gone to this party hanging out with these people at this party. Because, I mean, he was a friend of sinners, right? But that's not theologically correct. I can remember being in Miami, Florida one year. We took our college students down. And 
We went down to do some missions with a, a Miami Rescue Mission, which is a huge homeless ministry there in, in South Miami. But while we were there, we wanted to give our students some exposure into human trafficking. We had just uh, come back that previous winter from Passion where they were in the end movement talking about human trafficking and doing away with human trafficking and trying to bring a, a just a stop to that. And so I wanted to get our college students a little more educational what that looks like how these young ladies end up in human trafficking, how are they um, coerced and how are they groomed uh, to go into this without even realizing that is what's going on. And so I can remember we, we had a gentleman that we were going to meet with. Uh, we, we showed up at his place that morning. He had been involved in human trafficking uh, as far as trying to help people out of it. He had, he knew a lot about of it being in the Miami area. He, he said he had a ministry to where um, he helped with that. And so as we were going in trying to find out the particulars about human trafficking, what that looked like, he was talking to our group and he said, you know, he said, I, I haven't always been a believer in Christ. He said, in fact, uh, I was an alcoholic for many years. That didn't surprise our group. It didn't take our group back. I mean, our, our group was, of course, like any other people you find in church. We were a bunch of sinners before, and by God's grace, we've been saved. But I do remember particularly this guy was talking about how he was an alcoholic, but yet he wanted to share the gospel with people, and, and he felt like he identified with those that had alcohol problems. And so he would find himself in the bar, sitting at the bar, trying to witness to people uh, that he felt like that needed to know Christ. And that maybe were alcoholics. The, the odd thing was he told us that he would sit there and have a drink with them with the intention of having a conversation. Th that is where we take what I just said a minute ago, that Jesus was a friend of sinners. And we distort the theological truth and principle behind that. Jesus did seek out those that were lost. But in seeking them out, he did not become one of them. In seeking them out, he didn't say, I'm going to condone your behavior because I love you so much that I need to, to tell you what I have. No, see, we've messed that all up. And I got a feeling one day we're going to be accountable for that. So I want to encourage you on the first point of how do we uh, have a new year and a new me is that we must understand that we have a mission. I mean, think about this. If Jesus was born as a baby yet lived 33 and a half years to complete his mission, if we became a believer... I did at the age of 19, if my only mission was to be a believer, why didn't Jesus take me out the day that I, that I accepted him? Why, why didn't he say, Chris, I'm going to let you enjoy a week of being found in me, being a believer in Christ, and, and then I don't want to subject you to the rest of what's going on, so I'm just going to go ahead and call you home. I, I believe it's because we have a mission, and the mission comes from Matthew 28 where Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples. When he says make disciples, he's not talking about us going out and teaching people uh, everything that they know about God. When he says make disciples, he's talking about going and sharing the gospel with them. So you and I have a mission, and that mission is those that do not know Christ. And so we've got to remember that. But here's the other thing that uh, we find out, is that in this story, it reveals a Savior who is loving. So it, Jesus, in his 33 and a half years, not only did he have a mission to seek that which was lost, but he did it in a very loving way. And you and I have a mission, and that is to be a loving person. For God so loved the world. We, we mentioned this verse several times over and over as we go through the year, whether it be in preaching or in teaching or in sharing with other people. And we, we know some of the truths about Jesus' love for us. If you don't, I'm going to encourage you to write a couple of these down. Maybe you're going to write it right here in your scripture in Luke chapter 19. The first one about Christ's love for us is that it was costly. 
It cost Christ his life. He was born a baby, lived 33 and a half years, and died on that rugged cross. Paul writes to the church of Galatia in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Man, Paul says that. Paul was a guy that started a journey probably at the beginning of one year and said, man, I got these plans. I want to do this. I want to do that. It's great to make it to another year. And somewhere along that year, his plan changed when he encountered Christ on the road to Damascus. And he says, man, this Christ that died for me, he said, because he died for me, because he sought me out, he said, I want to do the same thing. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, meaning Paul loved it, it, with the same degree that he hated prior to being Paul when he was Saul. Even more, he loved after he came to know Christ. What does that look like for you and I? I mean, the truth is, if you're watching this, if I'm standing here speaking this, and we're believers in Christ, we are commanded to love. But we need to understand that that love is costly. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Does that mean that the love that we're to share is going to be so costly that when we share with non-believers that it will cost us our life? No, I, I don't believe that. But I do believe the love that which we are to love with may cost us our reputation. We're, we're the people that you don't invite to the party because we're no fun. We're the people that are willing to give away something that we have for the sake of someone else. See, love costs. Love costs, and that's a term that we use. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or not a believer, but it should mean more to the believer. My daughter, most of you know, had a baby at 25 weeks, and uh, he is still doing good. Thank you for praying for him. Uh, but my daughter saw a, a particular piece of equipment on Facebook Marketplace that she wanted to purchase. She had been looking for it for a while. Um, it was fairly expensive. It was something for the baby. And she reached out to the lady who, who owned the piece of equipment that was selling it. Uh, this particular device was about $500 new. And so she reached out to her and said, I see where you're asking $250. Uh, what's the lowest you'll take for it, right? That's kind of what we do on social media. They're, if you pay full price for something on Facebook Marketplace, you pay too much. They, they like negotiating. This particular lady said, well, I can do $225. And, and Lauren at the time, she she Facebook messaged back and said, well, about $200 all I have, and I understand that that's not enough. Somewhere in the middle of their negotiations, they got talking about their story, and this lady was asking Lauren, said, well, you know, what do you need this for? And Lauren talked about having a baby at 25 weeks and that her son was 34 weeks and that this would just be a huge benefit and a blessing to her, but she understood her price, and, and that was not a problem, and uh, she would make a decision whether she could come up another $25 or whether she would just go without this lady ended up messaging my daughter back and said, you know what? She said, I want to pay it forward. She said, I will give it to you if you just come pick it up tonight. See, that, that, is, that is love that is costly. I don't know if this lady was a believer. If I had to guess, I'd say she probably is. But I, I, I can't put that on her because I don't know. But love, because she decided to love on my daughter and love on her son, uh, that cost her. She could have easily made $250 off of that. She probably could have made more if she had put it on Facebook Marketplace for more. But she was willing to pay it forward and give it away to say that, you know what? 
I love, and sometimes that love is going to cost me. The second thing that we see is that this love is caring. I mean, think about it. We, we walk around all the time talking about how much we love people, but are we really caring in that love? John 13, 33 says, Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. See, Jesus knew where he was going. Not only did he know that he was going to the cross, but he knew he'd be in the grave. He knew that he would descend to hell, and he would knew that he would sit at the right hand of the Father. And he says, where I'm going, you can't come. But he, he, he talks to him in such a caring way. He says, dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. Man, I, I see the compassion. I hear the compassion in this verse of a father to a son, of a father to his daughter. Uh, I've enjoyed going to the NICU over the last couple of weeks and getting to spend time with my grandson. And I don't know what it is about little babies. They change your vocabulary instead of like, hey, how are you doing today? It's like, oh, hey, little baby, it's so good to see you. Go, 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 go. I wish somebody would explain where that comes from because I don't know. But it is easy to be caring. Matter of fact, just today I, I got to see him. And as I went up there, we walked into the NICU, my daughter and I, and I said, Lauren, something stinks. And she's like, yeah, dad, it must be one of these older babies. <laughs> nope, it was her baby. But you know what? It didn't matter because there, there is a caring love there. I mean, do you remember dropping off your child or your children at school for the first time? I do. I can remember walking Abby, my oldest one, into class, worried about what she was thinking or who was in the class or who was going to talk to her or who was going to be mean to her. Was the teacher going to take care of her? I remember getting ready to leave and bending down and loving her, loving on her and telling her, don't worry, I'll be back soon. Man, I, I sat at home and it was going to be a half day that day because it was her first day of kindergarten. And I sit there and just watch my clock and I went, okay, it's been five minutes more than it was when I dropped her off. I could not wait to get back to pick her up. When I read this and he says, but you can't come where I'm going, I can almost hear and sense in his voice, but don't worry, I'm coming back to get you. See, this is what somebody who cares says. The one verse says a lot about Christ and how he felt about his children. It's costly, that love. It is caring, that love. The third thing that we need to understand if we're going to have a new, a new year and a new me is that the results of salvation, it's lasting. John 10, 28 says this, And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Pastor Steve preached a couple weeks ago, and as he preached a couple weeks ago, he talked about if you've been out of church for 15, 20 years, 30 years, because of whatever reason. Maybe, maybe you got mad at the pastor. Maybe you got mad at somebody on staff. Maybe you got mad at the youth guy. It was probably Grant, not me. Uh, maybe you got mad at another member, and you just said, you know what, I'm not going back. Pastor Steve talked about that we live in two kingdoms. We live in God's kingdom, and we, and we live in the world's kingdom. And one of those kingdoms depends on who you are. If, if you're lost, if, if you're not a believer, you live in the devil's kingdom here on earth. But if you're a believer, then we're under God's kingdom. And that God's kingdom was living under the authority and the lordship of Christ. I can remember at the end of that service, I had a, a young lady come to me. And she was worried because she said that her dad had gotten mad at the church. And she knew he was a believer, but he got mad at the church and, and didn't go back. And he has since passed, and she was really worried that maybe, uh, what, what if she gets to heaven and that reunion she was looking forward to doesn't happen? 
I listened for a minute. She talked and all I could remember was this verse. And I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one. No one. Not, not you, not me, not, not a pastor, not the devil. And so I tried to encourage her with this verse. And I said, ma'am, your, your dad may have left the church, but did he ever leave God? Because I can guarantee you God never left him. Not if he was a believer in Christ, because even the devil couldn't get him from that hand. And so I hope she walked away with encouragement. But the results of salvation is that it's lasting. First John 5.13 says this. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. There are some things that we're going to do in life that are going to last for a long, long time. There are things we're going to say to people that are going to impact their lives for a long, long time. There are things that we're going to do that may impact our finances, may impact our career, uh, may impact a lot of things for a long, long time. But salvation is eternal. It lasts forever. And so this week, as we as we think about New Year's resolutions, as we think about um, those things that we're going to commit to on social media platforms that really don't matter, as we think about, man, how much weight am I going to lose this year? Um, that is something I probably should commit to, but I'm not going to commit to that. Uh, as we think about, am I going to do the reading plan? Well, will I make it all year this year on the reading plan. Um, that is a noble cause, and I would encourage you to try to commit to that one. But I would ask you this. Can you do any of that apart from Christ? Any of it? I, I would argue no. If it is good, if it is biblical, apart from Christ, you won't accomplish that. And so we go into this new year, 2022, and to be honest with you, nobody has a clue what it's going to hold. 2020 held some very odd and some very terrible things. 2021, everybody thought would be different, yet here we are in 2022, and they're thinking, man, some of the circumstances changed, but a lot of the conditions did not. In 2022, it's it's going to be um, good or bad. I, I don't know. The end of it's going to be a train wreck. I can just go ahead and tell you that. I'm not a prophet, um, but I know there's an election coming in 2022. And so somewhere between now to December, November, there's going to be a train wreck in there. And, and you might as well go ahead and prepare for it, but that shouldn't affect us as a believer in Christ. See, the, the new year and the new me is only affected by what we do with our relationship with him. I want to challenge you as we begin this new year. Do something different. Chris, what do you mean by do something different? Well, some of you are watching this today and you've been watching this for the past year because you have yet to return to church. Why? What are you scared of? The fellowship? The accountability? The ministry? A virus? What are you scared of? Start this year and come back to him. I, I know what you're thinking, Chris. I, I, I'm already a believer. I don't need to be in the church. Yeah, but his word says, don't forsake the assembly of the body. There is something encouraging when you get around of other like-minded people that help you complete the task that you set out to do. Because it may not be their task, but it is their job to encourage you to complete that task the same way it's your job to encourage me to complete my task. Maybe we, we begin something new by actually reading God's word this year. Maybe the reading plan is not for you. You don't like being told what to read and when to read it. 
just pick it up and read it. Maybe we begin by reaching out and healing some relationships. I am sure there, there are some that need to be healed. I, I have one in my life that absolutely needs to be healed. It needs to be worked on at least. Maybe we begin 2022 letting Jesus do exactly what he said he was going to do to come and to seek that which was lost. And so maybe you've been watching this video today or maybe you've been watching these videos for the past month, six months, year. And every time either Pastor Steve or myself or one of our guest pastors steps up and he begins speaking, you're thinking to yourself, I need to know that Christ that he's talking about. Let me encourage you in 2022 to do that. So yeah, set some resolutions. Accept Christ, love more, love with the love that cost, care, go seek those that are lost, go, go, go find out where they are, try to lead them to a relationship with Christ, not doing what they do, but knowing who they are. Set that as a resolution this year, but set it with him, not with Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, because those guys could care less what your plans are, but Jesus does. Pray with me. Father God, we love you and thank you for the day. God, I pray that this message would find homes in people's hearts. And God, I pray that you would use it as they think about resolutions that they want to make, um, commitments that they're committing to this year, that they would, Lord, that they would be about the purpose of why we're here. And our purpose is to become more like you and to share the gospel with others that don't know you. And so God, if we do that, 2022 has promise written all over it. Not because of us, but because of you. And God, we'll be quick to give you all the honor and all the praise. Lord, we love you and say these things in the precious name of Christ. Amen. Thank you, and I hope you have a great day.